Welcome, listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. It's all I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations, you can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage, and catch the live stream from that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's A-B-I. B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live. Even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, it's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on time for an awakening interesting articles that you can read download at later times and share with your friends also check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the bb to me always interesting things in the marketplace all the time various african language classes classes on education economics social systems health and much much more being taught by professors on both the continent in the diaspora, so make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 8.06 here on this uh, sultry Friday evening here in Philadelphia, and uh, we're in freestyle Friday mode on Time for an Awakening. Anything that's on your mind, give us a call. We'll talk about it. And you can always do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started. 
after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, 
what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8-11 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Friday edition of Time for an Awakening, and we're in Freestyle Friday mode. And before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum in Philadelphia here at 7th and Arch. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm going to say I'm doing all right for the time for waking listening audience, but um, in dialogue with myself, I guess I'm, I'm a little, a little in a funk right now, Elliot. You know, just in general, things um, is confusing to me. I guess I don't want to say confusing because that that means I'm not looking at things, but just uh, I'm, I'm a little uneasy as we're moving through the month of um, Black August, you know, uh, acknowledging, you know, the liberation struggle and individuals that participated in it. And the, uh, the polarity, the, 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 the oppositional tone that I think I hear within our community with each other instead of um, a unified, um, um, clear vision of how we um, need to to be in order to to carry ourselves out of this um, mess. Maybe I'm imposing my funk, but I, I just perceive we're 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 in a mess right now, Elliot. And I'm I'm trying to, you know, as I look at you know, but three days ago um, we were acknowledging um, brother um, Marcus besides Garvey's birthday and his vision, and you know, um, which George Jackson and what he was fighting for. And I'm, I'm looking at where we are now, you know, I'm just a little confused around the vaccine, around reparations, um, around what, the, you know, the political operatives are positioning ourselves and um, wh- where we stand in relationship to what we have to do. So I'm just in a little personal funk. Well, Richard, listen, I think one of the central themes to what you're saying, it all revolves around uh, getting the proper information and then doing something with it once you get the proper information. But first it has to start with getting the proper information. If you don't know, then you're almost like a a man walking around in a room with the, and the light's not on you in the dark. You're feeling your way. It It shouldn't be like that because, I mean, we're in the so-called information age and there's plenty of information going around. Now, as far as the information that, or the information uh, agencies that we control, it's very limited. And sometimes the dialogue that we have on, on, uh, on venues that, that are black owned or black orientated, the dialogue is not what it should be, put it that way. And that's my opinion. But uh, I, I, I think we need to get a little more serious in the conversation that we're having around these issues because the situation is getting more dire every day. 
that's 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 the thing you know you know we've been um in our dialogue we've been talking about and and looking over and looking back at um david walker and you know and and kind of you know and i trying to see you know in his insight and and what you just said you know made me think about um you know um again about like a context that we should um always be clear of that I, I kind of hear us may not be as clear, and it might be my arrogance, Elliot. Um, and I hope for you know time for awakening audience as they call in and 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 you know bring up topics that will you know bring clarity to, that things as, isn't as I perceive it right now. But um, if I, if I can, can I um, or take a section? Um, uh, it's a couple of things I wanted to share, but can I take a section out of David Walker's? Um, the David Walker appeal, uh, you know, to just, I guess, to see what I'm looking at and see what your thoughts is as far as how he was seen in 1828, what we should be clear and focus on and the information that we should be searching um, and asking for and, and critically analyzing. Is, is it okay if I can do a paragraph out of? Yeah, of, certainly, because we're in open forum. I've got, I got a few things I'm going to throw out, too, as far as... Uh you know, maybe getting the folks involved in it. Yeah, certainly. You know, it's, it's um, in, the, in this second article, article two, you know, uh, and, and I, I'm not one who think we should, um, um, you know, go over like, who is David Walker? And especially, as you said, we're in the information age and um, everyone has a, a mini big computer. So if you plug in his name, even in, in 1828, um, the David Walker appeal that'll give you um, what, and I hopefully uh, if you don't get it or you have it, that you are able to pass it on. Cause I think it's, it's a good reminder where we are. And, and he says in, in this section of the appeal, the whites want slaves and, and want us for their slaves. But some of them will curse the day they ever saw us as true as the sun ever shone in the meridian splendor. My color will root some of them out of the very face of the earth. They shall have enough of making slaves of and butchering and murdering us in the manner which they have. No doubt some may say that I write with a bad spirit and that I, I being a black wish these things to occur. Whether I write with a bad or a good spirit, I say, if these things do not occur in their proper time, it is because of the world in which we live does not exist. And, and we are deceived with regard to its existence. It is immaterial, however, to me, who believe or who refuse, though I, shall, I, shall, I should like to see the whites repent, pre-adventured, God may have mercy on them, some, however, have gone so far that they that their cup must be filled. And I'm saying I'm I, I'm I'm saying I guess I want to just tie that to a cup, just you know symbols. You know I I heard that um, um, and I don't remember where. And somebody can um, give me the fact you may have it already, Elliot. Uh, another young person had been killed by police um, in the la in this last week. Um, you know, we, we, with this here, um, removal of troops from Afghanistan, 
and all the young, um, particularly black men and women who have given their lives over the last, what, 20 years, um, you know, and been in, involved in a, in, a, in a conflict, you know, supposedly in the name of, of, of holding back and, and, and formulating democracy or developing democracy. And we're having these challenges around um, voting rights um, right here, um, which is t directly tied to us. And then, you know, so these kind of things when um, I, I take that paragraph that, that Walker was saying that, you know, I ain't talking about no white person, but this system that is created, that it seems that if we don't get a handle on ourselves and create something different, envision something different, as you say, get information and be inspired differently to do things differently than what we're doing, we'll be constantly brought in this um, quagmire. And at least um, Brother Walker was at least making it clear for those who wish to see and be informed um, what, what we're look at, looking at and the reason why we should be changing. I just wanted to throw that out there, Elliot, to, you know, as my contribution to Open Forum for tonight. Well, you know, Richard, um... David Walker and his appeal was appealing to our people to liberate themselves and take up arms or anything they could to strike back at the oppressors. Now, if you look, I mean, just, and you mentioned about things going on now, and I, I'm going to bounce back and forth between mm -hmm. some of the things Walker was saying and what's going on now. This situation that just happened in Afghanistan that fell apart for this country. Although anybody that's been following what he has been doing, uh, if they had any sense of foreign policy and knowing the United States, no matter who's in office, Democrat, Republican, uh, Clinton, Obama, Bush, it's no different. Uh, they've been in that country 20 years supposedly to root out the Taliban. Now. That they created. Exactly. Now, Richard, they said last week that, you know, they was going to pull out of there. And they were shocked. Even they were shocked at the swiftness of how fast the quote-unquote Taliban has taken over that country. Uh, I was watching on the television, Face the Nation on Sunday, they they had the, uh, Anthony Bilkin was on there, and they had played a clip of Biden two weeks before. And somebody asked him about, do, are the people able to handle the government if America pulls out? And he made the statement saying that there are 300,000 uh, Afghan soldiers that have been taught by the United States and that are well-equipped against 75,000 Taliban. He said, I think they're more than capable of handling their own government. Now, if you see the swiftness of what has happened, Richard, it tells you two things. Number one, all these labels they want to put on these people, Taliban, the Al-Qaeda, they're Afghans. 
And you see that Afghans basically took back their country from the United States. And it was Afghans that were fighting the United States to get out of their country. United States came in there with all types of stuff. These people had a culture that they had been living under for thousands of years. United States wanted to bring in all types of stuff and, and uh, along with LGBTQ and everything else. They wanted to change the lifestyle of those places. And some of the people went along with it. But you see that it took 20 years and a lot of guerrilla fighting. But the same thing happened in Vietnam that's happened here. They running out of there basically, leaving people in there. They asked the guy the other day how many Americans are still in the country, and he said he didn't know. And that was, this is the, um, what is Bilkin, Richard? I don't even know these guys' titles. Secretary, Secretary of State? Yeah, no. he, he, did, he said he didn't know. Now, they showed a C-57, whatever them big carriers are. Mm. And it shows, the, here's the, some of the propaganda, Richard. The other day, it showed one on a landing strip leaving. First, it showed... Uh, the plane stationary and it showed people all on the gangway and all trying to force their way into the plane. I mean, they were hanging off the gangway that they couldn't get on. Then it showed another footage. You probably didn't see it. The plane was in full taxi mode down the runway. The wings was up so high. They couldn't get on the wings, but they was all on the landing gear. I mean, it had to be at least 25, maybe 50 people all on the landing gear, hanging on. And then the next thing you know, they show a a shot of the plane in the air. Mm. Now, the propaganda is this. And they didn't show it because I'm quite sure that the reporter that was filming it didn't turn his camera off and then turn it back on when the plane was in the air. When mm. it was time for this footage to be shown here to the public, they took it out. Richard. When that plane took off, those people didn't let go. That plane was in full taxi mode while you had people all around that landing gear. But the next thing you know, it shows the plane in the air. Those people came dropping off, whether it was 50 feet up to 100 feet up or whatever. They came falling off of there. So it just shows you the, the type of people that we're dealing with. And to leave those people over there, and I'm talking about the people that work with them, the, the, uh, and I'll use the term because we, we had them here and we still have them. The Uncle Toms that work with them. Let me, I'm a, let me read this. And it, it, I just want to read this published report. It just came out today on the wire. It says Taliban hunting for collaborators uh, and is a major threat assessment prepared for the United Nations. The Taliban stepped up its hunt for former Afghan security officials and people who may have worked with the U.S. or NATO forces, according to confidential threat assessments prepared for the United Nations and seen by the Washington Post. The militants are going house to house, setting up checkpoints and threatening to arrest and kill relatives of collaborators in major cities, the Wednesday assessment says. The document produced by the Norwegian Center for Global Analysis and the UN-linked Intelligence Support Center, described an empowered Taliban eager to seek out and interrogate and punish those affiliated with the U.S.-backed government. At particular risk are people who were in central positions in the military, police, 
and investigative units, according to the analysis. Despite a Taliban pledge this week to grant amnesty to former officials. Separately, a German broadcaster said Taliban fighters killed a relative of one of the journalists. And uh, the Taliban was not following through with pledges to avoid retribution and respect the media. The fighters are using the West's focus on evacuating former nationalists to search unrestrained for Afghan targets inside the cities, the Norwegian Center of Global Analysis documents stated. At the same time, the group is screening for individuals outside the Kabul airport where thousands of Afghans are gathered in recent days of hopes of getting out of the country. The Taliban has established vehicle checkpoints on all major roads and around major cities, including Kabul and Jalalabad, the assessment said. It also warned of worst-case scenario in which militants close to Kabul and other cities conduct mass arrests and public executions. The relatives of journalists was killed, that was killed by the Taliban fighters going house to house in Afghanistan to hunt for the reporters, according to the Deutsche Welle, the journalist that works for this German news agency. Other family members were able to flee the fighters. The killing of a close relative of one of the four editors uh, yesterday is inconceivably tragic and testifies to the acute danger in which all of our employees and families in Afghanistan find themselves. It is evident that the Taliban is already carrying out, <clears throat> excuse me, organized searches for journalists and other people who have collaborated with the United States and NATO forces in Kabul and other provinces. We're running out of time. So, Richard, you see where the Afghans have taken back their country from the United States and they're going about from city to city to make sure that the people that work with the United States pay for what they've done. Now, I mean, do you, if you're looking at justice now, do you see anything wrong with that? You know, we, we face almost a similar situation. We don't have the power necessarily. I'm talking about the, the, the well, and I might be wrong. The, we, we don't have the military will, so to speak, maybe some of the other places. But we don't hold these people accountable in more ways than one. These people have laid a wound against us. And I'm talking about uh, the, these people now that's supposed to be leadership. They're just as worse. What's any different than what has happened in that country? But you see the other Afghans that fought for 20 years to liberate their country, and all of a sudden they got the opportunity to do that, they're going to make all of those people pay. That's why them people was hanging on a plane, uh, hanging on landing gear of a plane that was headed for thousands of feet in the air. I don't know how they thought they was going to live hanging on landing gear, but they was going to do that in order to face what they was going to have to face from their brethren in that country. It's their brethren. They're not aliens. That's their own brethren that they worked against. And look at this, this wicked government that go in there and destabled countries. They did it in Iraq. Uh, they did it in Libya. Killed a sovereign leader, no matter what they felt about him or the propaganda they put out. 
and destabilized that country. Caused uh, the blacks that was living there when when uh, Muammar Gaddafi was there caused these people to, to, to cast them into slavery. People trying to run out of the country. Caused, he destabilized that country. He did the same thing in Iran, and, and and after they killed Saddam Hussein, and those people have said on more than one occasion, and they said it again this year. They said it to Trump that they wanted the United States out of there. When Biden came in, he said that they ain't leaving. So now, with all these disturbances going on in in Iran, the United States is blaming it on Iraqi influence in Iran. I don't know whether you've been following a lot of those reports. Mm-mm. No, I, I haven't I haven't seen that. And see, we and we and we and, and our people, Richard, that's involved in this armed forces is pawns in these games. I listen. I don't care what Europeans do to protect their interests. That's them. We don't need to have our children, young boys, young women over there fighting for this foolishness and coming back repeating the same old line. I'm fighting for democracy. I'm fighting to save you and all this other foolishness. While we're, while as always is said here, we're drinking uh, muddy water and flint and dealing with hookworms and not knowing what to do with the, the, you know, with the health morbidities that was reaped upon our communities because of the social um, economic situation that we're in, that we can't even eat the right kind of food to, to starve off or at least uh, have put in check this um, virus that's going around. But, but Ellie, you know, it, it's interesting, um, the point you when you bring up about collaborators, and it's something that, again, um, especially being in the context of Black August, and dealing with the, you know, those who are political prisoners um, that are, 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 lot, are behind bars for trying to do uh, at least eck out a space um, for us as, as African people and being picked up and just because of their belief that we should be a liberated people and then placed behind bars. But the point of the collaborators is another section paragraph, if you will, that Walker speaks to those people directly. And, and I just, you know, in a short, but he says, he may see some of my brethren in league with tyrants, sell, selling their own brethren into hell upon earth not dissimilar to the exhibition in Africa, but in more secret, servile, and object manner. Oh, heaven, I am full. I can hardly move my pen. And as I expect, some will try to put me to death, to strike terror into others, and to, and to obliterate from their minds the, the notion of freedom, so as to keep my brethren from the most secure and wicked, wicked wretchedness where they will be permitted to stay but a short time. Whether tyrants, believe it or not, I shall give the world a development of facts, which are already witnessed in the courts of heaven. My observer may see some of those ignorant and treacherous creatures, colored people, sneaking about in large cities, endeavoring to find out all strange colored people where they work and where they reside asking them questions and trying to ascertain whether they are running away, runaways or not, telling them at the same time that they always have been, are, and always will be friends at, 
to their brethren and perhaps that they themselves are absconders and thousand such treacherous lies to get the better information of the more ignorant. There have been and are at this day in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Baltimore, colored men who are in league with the tyrants and who, and who receive a great portion. This is 1826, 28. And you're, I, I think that's speaking to the same point that you're making. And, you, not, and you heard him say in his own words over 100 and something, almost, almost 200 years ago, Richard, mm-hmm. about the ignorance of people that's not aware that this is going on. Is that what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. Well, it's the same thing going on now. This has to stop. It has to stop. And, 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 and it's, yes, and it, and, and it can go on. I mean, the examples that, and, and this is, you know, this is why um, Time for Awakening and even in, you know, Freestyle, um, this Freestyle Friday and people being able to bring up whatever um, points of information that you may seem unconnected, but will help, if I understand what you're saying, Ellie, will help us inform us on what we see is a bigger um, dynamics that's going on amongst us that we have to, we have to become conscious of, um, you know, because we can look across the water and look at it as like that's something happening over there. But the same thing is happening here. Most definitely. You know? And that's, that's the, you know, uh, I, at some point, because if I was to give a, uh, as far as dealing with prison, when you talk about the, what those, the reason why those men and women were grabbing on that C4, why, um, I mean, United States said they had more time because they were trying to plan how can they remove I think what they said, they had like 30,000 or more um, people who had been um, collaborators that they knew have been supporting in Afghanistan that they had to remove, but they didn't know where they wanted to, you know, the whole thing of processing them. That's, that was that they, so they thought they had this time, but as you say, they didn't really have the time. And those that are on the ground who were translators, who were, uh, collecting information, um, who was prolonging this takeover? Because the t- Taliban had taken over before, if I'm not mistaken, and and even last that was it last year, year before last, they made it. They were um, making having discussion with Trump, you know. So, but you know, now they're afraid of what's going to happen to them, and and I'm saying that because this kind of individuals you say collaborators we have here in philadelphia 1970 he's a brother um fred mohammed burt in philadelphia 1970 and i like to share when you talk about collaborators and and the state now he's in been in prison now for 50 years um i don't know if we have time but if we don't you know at some point i just like to give a, a a synopsis of of how this collaborating for somebody who's looking out for the liberation of African people and how it's, it's happening, not in 1828, um, that 
David Walker is talking about, but as close as 1970s, looking at how this these collaborators work worked in order to um, create dissension um, or stop the development of leadership within our communities. I, I, I don't. I'll I'll hold off and wait until you see if it's if it's appropriate for right now. But I think his story um, really brings out um, that point that you're making in relationship to, of one of us turning against one of us and the person is still sitting in prison and, you know, and fabricated, not because of what he did, but because of what he believed and what the state believed he did, which was wanting a better condition for black people in the here and now. Go ahead. Well, in 1970, um, Fred was accused and then convicted of participating in the planning of a murder of Philadelphia police officers while the plan was allegedly to blow up a police station. What occurred was that a police officer was shot and killed allegedly by members of a radical group called the Revolutionaries. Only one witness, Marie Williams, who was the wife of a co-defendant and primary actor, Hugh Williams, testified under duress as to the relationship between Fred and the revolutionaries. Fred was not accused of being at the scene of the crime. Now, he wasn't there. At Fred's trial, Marie Williams was compelled by order of the court to testify. Ms. Williams, in couple, in well, how you say that word? And she accused, incorporated Fred by testifying that on one occasion, she had heard someone in her basement, a floor below her, say, let's off some pigs. She did not accuse Fred of making those statements. She only testified to Fred's presence at that meeting. Ms. Williams also testified that besides the one meeting, she had no knowledge of the content of the meeting. The testimony of the Commonwealth witness, Marie Williams, was marred by contradiction. Marie Williams initially claimed the Fifth Amendment at the first two of the three preliminary hearings and refused to testify. At Fred's third preliminary hearing, Marie Williams completely exonerated Fred. And she, you know, she testified that she had no knowledge of the revolutionaries or of Fred's involvement with the group. After the third preliminary, the case was held for trial. Marie Williams was then subject to a closed immunity hearing and compelled to testify at, at trial. So even though she, it seemed like she was coerced, then she retracted, then they forced, because in 1970, the thing was to get anybody who was looking at um, being against what the state, or I call the state, what the government um, has been doing to black people, they, they had to be convicted. And here is this man who was a father, a, a um, working father, um, who wasn't even there, is being uh, accused of something that he's, he wasn't, you know, what had no direct involvement to, and they could not prove, and the only thing was to force this woman, and then um, she, she's 
acknowledging that she's being coerced. The Commonwealth intentionally struck every African-American from the active jury. The all-white jury unanimously convicted Fred after being purposely misled by the Commonwealth and Marie Williams. Fred was sentenced to a life term of murder. Burton has maintained his innocence since his arrest. While searching through records that his family obtained and appealing his case over a decade later, Fred came across several items of expulsionary evidence that had been illegally withheld from the defense. One, the transaction, the transcript of Marie Williams' previously undisclosed immunity hearing. Two, the, the two alleged original statements by Marie Williams giving to the police after the murder. And three, a pretrial letter authored and signed by Marie Williams to the, to the prosecutor. This letter was submitted as evidence in the immunity hearing. It stated that the prosecutor and the police were intimidating Marie Williams and forcing her to lie in court. Most importantly, the same letter stated uh, Marie Williams has no knowledge that Fred Burton participated in any meeting. I only bring that up, Elliot, because I think that when we're dealing with collaborators and we're dealing with what the state will do in order to um, prevent, as David Walker was saying, anyone who, to, who wants to be liberating or to liberate others, and then they give this man life. And the reason why I thought it struck was because here, here's someone in Philadelphia. And yes, we know about Mamiya, but I wonder how many of us know about um, Fred Muhammad Burton and how this long history of us trying to get, you know, even in a nonviolent way, trying to liberate ourselves and being thrown into, and thrown into jail, you know, as we would say political prisoners and no one is to say anything uh, about it. And I guess that's why um, we are pushing or at least let, are recognizing why Black August, they're acknowledging um, those individuals is so important. But I don't know if that meets um, the, the, the context of what's going on in Afghanistan, but it seems that right here at home, we have freedom fighters that are unjustly with collaboration and even silence is collaboration and ignorance or not knowing is collaboration for people who given up their lives and their lively and their family lives, you know, their connection with their family and the vision of what it is to be free. It makes, you know, we have to consider that as we reflect on what's going on and what this government will do to anybody to try to put them under their control um, unjustly, if that makes sense. It, well, it definitely does, Richard. Uh, the only thing that's different, the only thing that's different is that in this society where we are, Europeans live here and they have a form of government an elected form of government that is supposed to be the spokesperson for communities. And the people that we've 
put in place to be spokesmen or watchmen for our communities don't do it for whatever reason. Either fear or they just hate their own or they just want to work with other people against their own. It's it's one of the three reasons in my book. People might have more. They might not. They might disagree with what I'm saying totally. But it's some reason why. And to me, it's one of those three. Why these people keep doing this. And they reach those heights generally because they have done other things to prove to white society that they will be against their own generally. That's why it's best that if we try to skin this cat, so to speak, that we work from the local level first. In fact, that's the only way it's going to work. Going for these national offices and all, where you got to appeal to white voters, some of our people, t- they lose their mind when it comes to that. <laughs> you say they lose their mind. Well, they do. Richard, let, and, and you shared this with me, but let me read it for my listening audience. Now, the other one, I don't have it in front of me. The one on that BDS vote mm-hmm. where uh, Alana Presley or whatever, you know, the members of the, the, the media like to run around and give people names. The members of the squad voted uh, in favor of the, the BDS uh, bill. You remember when you shared that with right, me? Right, right, Well, let me read this and share this with our listening audience because this is almost a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Although there's many examples, I'll probably share another one in a minute. This one states, uh, Alon Omar backs the $62 billion bill that includes unconditional support for Israel. Uh, the failure of the squad is seen as a missed opportunity to hold Israel accountable for its crimes uh, against humanity. It says the vote to approve an annual U.S. foreign operation, excuse me, the vote to approve the annual U.S. foreign operations and related programs funding bill, which amongst other things, green lights to Washington's uh, yearly $3.3 billion unconditional aid to Israel through a major surprise this year. Democratic Representative Elon Omar, Iana Presley, Lee Bowman, and uh, Primal Jalapal, I don't know how to pronounce that name, Split, split with fellow Democrats, Rashida Tlaib and Cory Bush, in securing in securing a narrow victory for the ruling party. All members of the progressive group of lawmakers, known as the Squad, famed for their highly critical stance on Israel, they have previously called to end the many decades of America's unconditional aid to the occupational state with the bill passing narrowly 217 for and 212 against the squad's failure to vote as one is seen as a missed opportunity to strike what would have been seen as a major blow to Washington's unconditional support for Israel, especially as they have been part of a long campaign to align us foreign policy to progressive values and international law. In April, the likes of, Omar and Tlaib were among several Democrat members of Congress to introduce a bill which conditions USA to Israel on human rights. This bill, the bill specifically demanded that Israel should not be allowed to use American taxpayers' money 
to kill, torture, imprison, displace, or, or otherwise harm uh, Palestinian children and families. Omar joined fellow members of the progressive camp to seek to block $735 million in emergency arms sales to Israel, approved by the administration of the U.S. President Joe Biden before Israel's 11-day bombardment of Gaza, which killed more than 250 uh, people, including women and children. The sales should not be completed while crimes against humanity are being committed with our backing, Omar said, at the time. At the time. But now she was one of the ones that voted to give Israel all this money. $362 billion bill that includes unconditional aid to Israel. So that's what I'm talking about, Richard. These people make fiery statements in reference to uh, being against these apartheid governments, whether it's Israel, the United States, or whoever, and then turn around and give them a rubber stamp to use your money to help. And then do, did, they come, did they come back and give an explanation why? In fact, there is no explanation why. But I'm just saying, just as a courtesy to the people they supposedly represent, did you hear any explanation why this was done? That's what I'm talking about. Stuff like that. And the other games that's being played. Here's another one. Here, this is from News 1. Uh, August 17th, a couple of days ago. It says, cops keep getting away with murder as police reform languishes, excuse me, as police reform legislation languishes. It says, despite uh, promised police reforms, delays continue as language legislation viewed by many as compromise uh, could be softened in hope of attracting bipartisan support. It says, over a year after the international protests following George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's killing, criminal justice reform and police accountability remains essentially the same. The promise of the George Floyd Policing Act remains unfulfilled as bipartisan negotiation has failed. According to Politico, Senators Cory Bush, Tim Scott, and Karen Bass uh, uh, is said to be in agreement in what was originally promised. The update suggested any changes to qualified immunity uh, could be off the table. Democrats in Congress seem to be tinkering around the edges instead of passing bold reforms, allowing for public safety to become uh, politicized. After months of being baited into a race to prove who loves the police more, Booker and other Democrats uh, caved in to a recent Republican ploy that would punish cities that seek to reinvest excessive police expenditures into other needed programs. Recently, the officials found, oh, it's going into another area now, but it's talking about how these lawmakers have caved in to uh, some of these white lawmakers and then caved in because they didn't get the so-called bipartisan support they needed. That's another example of what I'm talking about, Richard. Yeah. I I seen a clip where, uh, Cory Booker, uh, he was, he was, you know, in his uh, acknowledging that the how how much he in, 
he was for the bill as it is, you know, um, and taking away the qualified immunity part of it, you know, but the, the clip that they passed around, he, I mean, he was, it, some say even pathetic, <laughs> you know, in his overjoyness. Um, and it's, and it's, and it, and it goes to something you said, Ellie, that is like really critical and people, and we cannot overlook it. We have to organize. Um, we could talk and we have to talk. We have to, we have to strategize. We have to think critically. We have to project, but we have to organize um, for at the, at the grassroots level politically. We have to become more politically educated because we have to put the right kind of people. If we want to use this process, we have to put the right kind of people in those places. Certainly. And it's not, and it's not going to be up to what others do or what they do. It's going to be up to what we do. We and do. that's why, you know, that's, that's so going to be so important. You know, along with these off the hook police killings and, and uh, we, we might have uh, brother Stanley Crawford uh, from the, Boots on the ground. The brothers here in Philadelphia uh, might he might join us in the next hour because he was interviewed uh, by the media in reference to uh, the National Guard because now that talk is coming up again about the National Guard uh, should be called into Philadelphia because these killings is off the hook. But um, Richard, it's a lot more. I, I believe it's a lot more going on with these killings than what we understand. Mm. Um, I'm not I'm not talking about now these police killings because this has been going on and these people are not going to stop what they're doing. But I'm talking about some of the, the ignorance going on in these communities with some of these folks who are, who are just gunning one another down in broad daylight, people on a bus stop. I mean, all kinds, you know, they don't wait till 3 o'clock in the morning or when nobody's around. It, it it doesn't matter who's around, whether it's little children, old people. It doesn't matter. And that's a culture that we have to redirect, and we have to be clear what what that how we want it to be redirected, because that's a culture that was been, in, um, in my, I guess opinion, has been created, um, uh, because of the amount of fathers. Um, being taken away um, and placed in prison, the amount of having to deal with a subculture uh, economy because there's no overt economy to participate in, having to deal with mothers who are having to juggle raising families and and trying to provide subsistence and living in a very volatile environment that is created because of policies that has occurred and been excavated uh, over the last 50 years. To where now we're looking at a generation, whether that's a subgroup or not, that is, as they say, or, or I say, shorthanded, that's off the hook. But what about the rest of us? Where, how, you know, it's, that is no different than the political organized. Where is, um, where are we? Are we absent? in relationship to coming up, because if the solution that the state is coming up with is putting the National Guard, the National Guard doesn't just go after these guys. They're in placement within a community. 
So now the whole community has become like a Afghanistan, like, you know, these countries where you have the military as roaming around to, to, to be supposedly the next layer of police. That's military. That ain't, that, that ain't no, that's, now we already hear that the law enforcement is being trained in Israel in military tactics. We hear the government is giving uh, the police department military grade armament. Now we're talking about, and all of that is for what? Or the way they project it, who, who is that supposed to be directed to? Again, the same black community who's supposed to be off the hook, who is now also saying that we don't have the kind of health to fight off a virus. And we ain't taking a shot. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to, wait, wait a minute. Before we take that break, Richard, I want to, um, I want to throw something out there because, and, and this is where we need our professionals help on. But being that white folks are involved in this, you're going to have to do this on your own or get somebody to volunteer to investigate it. Now, listen to what I assert, Richard, and see if you agree. If the listening audience call in, if they agree, you know, I hope I'm just not just throwing something out there, just throwing stuff against the wall. If you notice, Richard, this stuff is happening in a lot of these cities around the country, right? This violence in our communities. And you mentioned some of the um, circumstances that leads to it. A lot of this violence is happening among youth. Would you agree? Yeah. Now, but if you transpose this to white communities. By and large, this is not happening in white communities. Would you agree with that? Yeah. It's not, if it is, it's not being reported. Okay. But, uh, you know, as far as this off-the-hook violence, it doesn't seem to be happening in white communities. So why is it happening here, and especially among a lot of youth? Now, if you remember, Richard, and I'm a jog the listening audience's memory because people have been saying it, but one of the persons that had been saying this for a while, and I might reach out to him and get him on again because he hadn't been on for a while because he had some other things going on and that, that really had nothing to do with the subject matter. But I think the subject matter that he raised should be brought up again. Now, Richard, some of these children that come from the households that you described, right? Mm-hmm. When they was going to school with these young white teachers, because most of them, most of these teachers in our communities are young white women, right? Mm. Right. As soon as these young males, so any type of, uh, they don't want to do something. It looks like they're, uh, uh, um, 
what do they call them, uh, obstinate or whatever, then they're told, the young parents are told that what, Richard? You you help me out. They, they need the Ritalin? Yes. And not only Ritalin. Hold on a second. And not only Ritalin, but some of these other drugs that's supposed mm-hmm. to calm them down to help their anxiety, right? Right. Now, all of those drugs have side effects. Now, I'm looking at a a doctor friend of mine, and I might have to get him on to kind of talk about this because this was his field of study for a long time. I'm reading some of the side effects of some of these drugs that have been used in the schools, Adderall, uh, Ritalin, uh, I think it's called Mallory, Mallory, um, and and and, and that some of these uh, the side effects cause schizophrenia, uh, extreme nervousness, extreme excitement, insomnia. Um, uh, uh, increased sweating uh, dizziness uh, false sense of well-being nausea you know you got side effects with all of these drugs and what I'm focusing on is this schizophrenia and this Mm. hyper excitement and hyper anxiety now if you couple that with these children that have been fed these drugs, because if you go in the inner cities, Richard, you might be surprised, and you was involved in schools, not the public schools, but you were involved in schools for a while. You might be surprised of how many black children in these classes has been told to take and been exposed to these drugs. Would you a agree? A lot. Okay. Now, if the side effects to these drugs is some of the things that I read. And you combine that with young people smoking these blunts constantly and then hearing some of this music that they get some of our people to put, to put out there and that these other people distribute and produce, whether they be religious groups, so-called Jews, or just whites in general, because we don't control this distribution of this crap. When you combine that with all of that stuff, you're already under the influence of these drugs and the side effects. I'm talking about years down the line. Mm-hmm. And then you're smoking this stuff and then listening to that crap. And then you do something crazy. And then after you're sitting in a prison cell, and you're not exposed to that stuff anymore and you can't get it, then all of a sudden you come to your right mind again and realize what the hell is going on. Richard, do you think that that might deserve some type of investigation to see whether these drugs are causing some of this behavior in the children? Yeah. Now, unless a black doctor or a doctor, I'm looking for somebody black to do it, unless they do an independent study, you're not going to have anybody investigate this. 
I just read last week that a lot of your lawmakers are getting big money checks from Big Pharma. Mm. I read it last week. You heard it. Mm-hmm. So who's going to investigate it? Who's going to be told? Who's going to say, listen, brothers and sisters, let's look at this. I think this is causing a problem. Who's going to investigate it? We're going to take a brief, we're going to take a brief break. And, we're going to, and when we come back, uh, maybe Brother Stanley Crawford might join us in conversation. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. Uh, we're in Freestyle Friday mode on Time for an Awakening. It's 9.07 here in the city of Philadelphia, and you can always join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know 
to join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you.
to run your campaigns. So here come big business. How are you? How are you, Judge? How are you, Alderman? <laughs> How are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? <laughs> well, what can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown Disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 916 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in freestyle Friday mode here on Time for an Awakening. You can get involved in the conversation always by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Brother Richard. Yes, sir. Uh, I see that we have on the line the uh, president of the Black Male Community Council. Uh, this week I saw a published report where they were interviewing him, and, and Brother Stan uh, had some things that uh, I thought was interesting and uh, told him to reach out to us. Uh, eventually, Brother Stan will be part of the Time for Awakening family. We, I'm still waiting on him to kind of get a few things together. <laughs> But uh, happy to have him join us. Brother Stan, are you there? Yes, Brother Richard, can you hear me? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, and Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure, man, uh, speaking with both you guys, man. I have a great deal of respect for you, man, and what you're doing. And you've been an inspiration for us to get our own podcast so we can also be a part of sharing our thoughts with the larger community. Brother Stan, the other day I read a published report. Um, I forgot what where I read it at. Uh, what, um, of course, several of them put it out. Um, but you were interviewed by someone. Uh, yeah, Richard Dean of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Okay, now I didn't. I like I said, I didn't. I know I wouldn't inquire it. I read it then. I think it was on the wire service, but I don't know who uh, who put it out there. I guess it was kind of spread all around. And uh, and you were calling for the the guard to come in to Philadelphia. Talk, talk about that from a perspective of a man that's out here on the ground that has organized brothers to police their own communities and have basically got no help from people that are supposed to be helping you. And when I say people that are supposed to be helping you, I'm talking about elected black officials here in the city of Philadelphia that are supposed to be giving grassroots organization plenty of help you're supposed to have more help than you need. 
but you don't get enough help and you don't get nowhere near what you need. T- talk about it from your perspective, Brother Stan. You was calling for the guard to come in. Well, what what helped me reach this point is all the work that we've been doing over the time that I've been in this, um, trying to help curtail the murder and the mayhem that's taking place. And um, it was Tuesday night. I called my grandbaby checking on her and uh, she was willing. I mean, willing to the point where it hurt me in my spirit to see my granddaughter in that state of being because the young man that got killed at um, Alany Plaza was another one of her schoolmate friends that's been murdered in the last year and a half to two years. My granddaughter, who I, I love all my grandbabies, but she has a special place in my heart. Her father, my son, was murdered in 2018. When I reflected back on, she lost, her father was murdered, her grandfather was murdered, her uncle was murdered, and at least three or four of her friends been murdered in a short period of time. And she's 19 years old. And what I seen coming out of her was not just the grief over that one murder that took place, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday night, but these multiple murders. And I multiplied that on all these other families in, the, in Philadelphia in particular, but around the country as a large. We are abandoned and those in power to do something are not doing anything. And this murder and mayhem and the murder and mayhammers have free range to kill at will. And uh, when I looked and seen about that 15-year-old girl who got killed the day after, mm-hmm. last night uh, at, at 5 o'clock in the 5100 block of Germantown Avenue, five people get shot, one person get killed. A one-year-old baby, maybe two or three weeks ago, in the arms of his mother gets shot in the leg. And these individuals is now having free range to kill and, and murder us. It's like the Tutus and the Hutus. And nobody is coming to our rescue. I talked to Brother Jamal today, who did a hunger strike over getting Kenny to uh, 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 Janie Gaudier emergency. We are in a state of emergency. I, I, I'm 69 years old, Brother Elliot. I've never seen this much, what I could say, legitimate fear in the Black community. And that fear is being multiplied every day because those individuals amongst us have free range to kill us and nobody is coming to our rescue. Now, I'll give you an example, Brother Elliot. It took me to get to this point to recognize we need some help. And the reason why I say we need some help because we, the brothers, if we start killing each other as a way of stopping the murder, we now become perpetuators of the murdery. And we pay, we pay the city of Philadelphia and we pay this police department of Philadelphia have a seven hundred over seven hundred and twenty million dollar budget, a six over six thousand man force with three hundred civilians, and nobody is stepping up to do anything. To, to for you know they, they took an oath for safety and protection of the citizen. We are citizens. If you going if you could take the national cards and you could use them to protect buildings, but you can't use them to protect human beings. Something wrong with that picture. That's number one. And number two is with the right methodology, with the right strategy under a state of emergency, even if I had to be inconvenienced for a while, a curfew in place, but we cannot continue living the way we live in. And every day we are waiting for the next body to fall and nobody is coming up with anything of a suggestion, a reality, a perspective to help us. When I talk to Brother Jamal, he said something very important to me today. 
He said, by any means necessary, we got to stop these people. We got to stop this murdering. And I, I'm going to say this, and, 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 and this is three, three weeks ago. A statistic was that it was 1,400 shootings across this nation three weeks ago. 450 of them was murdered. 90% of them was black and brown, Brother Elliot. You don't think we're in a state of emergency? Listen, I, I, I agree with you, Brother Stanley. We're definitely in a state of emergency. But let me let me, let me me slow this out at you, too, because I know that you had or, or been involved with several meetings with not only leadership here, but the commissioner that's here. Because it seems strange to me, Brother Stanley, and, and I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm saying this with tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. It's really strange to me that none of these killings seem to be solved. They turn around, and I hear the commissioner and others turn around and blame the community, mm. saying that the community is not saying anything. But if you have trained detectives on a police force, when you go into a crime scene, a lot of times you don't, you don't have somebody saying, oh, Bobby did it, so-and-so did it. You have to go in there as a trained investigator and a detective and find out who did this. Brother Stan, if I went up in Balakinwood or went up mm. in the far northeast and killed somebody white up there, within two or three days, they would find me. Mm-hmm. They would they would track me down and find me. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me all of these killings, multiple killings, they had that one guy, and it's clear that he had mental problems. This guy killed his mother. He killed people at a barbershop. He mm-hmm. went in there and killed that woman that was at the Dunkin' Donuts, the manager. He didn't even know these people. Mm-hmm. And they, they suspected him when he killed his mother. They let him go. He went to Delaware, if you remember, and killed somebody down there. Yeah. They knew this man had problems. Why are you letting these people go? Because they know that when they let these people go, they're going to come back to black communities and keep the stuff going. If they thought that they was going to white communities and to do it, these people would be locked under the jail. Brother Elliot, listen, and, and the, see, this is where honesty comes in it. And everybody that's listening and have to be honest, flip the script. Let's have these brothers stop killing each other and start killing white folks. There would be a state of emergency immediately. Most and definitely. I'm going to show you something else, Brother Elliot. Now, this is true. When the mafia was killing each other, little Nicky Scarfo and Joe, Joey Molina was killing each other, they stopped that. Whatever system they used, you hadn't had a mafia murder in the city of Philadelphia in over 10 years. Now, here you got you got a situation where we are, uh, uh, black people are killing black people, which is already a travesty, but to allow it, and, 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 and I'm starting to come to the conclusion when they put a mic in my face, I'm saying that they are complicit in these murderings. Okay. And you know, we, we had to call it what it is. If you are a government agency from the, and, and, and this, like I like to make a distinction too, it's all of them all wrapped up in one. The police, the, the magistrate, the DA, the, 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 the council, the mayor, all of those in the, all those departments that is supposed to be protecting and serving, saving is uh, safety and protection of the community is their oath when they took their oath to the, uh, the, the for these officers. 
Now, even when you become a police officer, your 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 oath is to protect and serve the people. If you're not doing this, and you are deliberately not doing this, then you become complicit in this murdering indirectly. You know, I I, I hate this this, this guy uh, Michael Youngblood keep talking about we got to go kiss the Nesmith's ass in order to get him to come and do what the police department if we paying the police to do. If he is hindering the apprehensive of these um, individuals that murdered our people, he should be brought up on charges, um, Brother Elliot, because you, if you are uh, putting a, a message out to do, don't do this, you now are a part of the structure, the system that is allowing murders to be, and you and interfering with governmental um, 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 uh, 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 work, and you should be brought up on charges. So this whole situation that we're dealing with it's, it's all of them wrapped up in one. And if you start segregating them, you're going to miss the bigger picture because the judges is letting these people back out into the community. Mm-hmm. They're not investigating these these murders. And, they, and here's another thing, man. My son was murdered. Now, don't doubly jeopardize me or victimize me by telling me I got to go solve my son's murder, which I did. But that because I knew if I didn't do what I did, I was not going to sit back and let them people just get away with it. And and I, I, that man was a hit man. I want the person who paid him to be locked up too. Wait a minute. Repeat that last because you broke up slightly on that last statement you made, Brother Stan. I'm saying to you that that person that they locked up for the murder of my son, they say he was a hit man. He killed my son and three other people. Somebody paid him. So just because you locked him up, this is what I'm talking about, the shabby police work. Now, if you if 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 if, if Ellie, if you paid me to kill somebody, you become complicit in that murder, right? Mm-hmm. So that person who paid is just as guilty as the person who pulled the trigger. Yes, what's a conspiracy? Yeah, so and 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 I didn't mean, I didn't want to go into that that arena, but this thing has many tentacles that is uh, um, um, need to be investigated because when you leave one of them uninvestigated, you're not getting the full picture, uh, brother Elliot. And and that, that's why I mentioned the police department, the DA, the the, the judicial system, the um, the probation officers, and the parole. The mayor of Philadelphia, city council, and all those who are paid to be able to protect and serve the community is being negligent, and their negligent is causing our people their lives. Just think about this. Think about this. If I'm if I'm a murderer in the city of Philadelphia, and my boy is sitting next to me talking, about he just murdered two or three people. Don't worry about it, man. They ain't even gonna come and get you. Why would I not not murder? Huh? Yes. And I know you just shot four or five people that, that shooting up on Germantown Avenue. That was five people who were shot. One person was murdered. There's no arrest. Don't you think they sitting around talking about that amongst themselves? <laughs> that's giving you know? them that's giving them impetus. That's giving them the, the, the impetus to go do this. And you're giving you, you, if you don't arrest these people, why would they not do it, um, Elliot? Or do it again. Yeah, I understand. Right. 
you know, um, Brother Crawford, it's one thing as you were um, laying out, it's, it's really a couple things, but one thing that uh, I wanted to get because that I'm missing and, and may be helpful for the Time for Awakening audience as far as hearing what's going on in Philadelphia. Do you hear a, we, we, we hear the individual incidents of shootings and murders that occur. Is that based off of your, uh, and you have defined all the people in the, in the government primarily, and I would add those departments too, that have some complicity, those heads of departments too, because their, their funding should be creating agenda to deal with some of the conditions in our community. But my concern, my, my interest is, do you hear an overall narrative? Like, are these just random individuals shooting random individuals? Or is this a, a part of a bigger interconnected story, even if it isn't, even if they're not all connected in, as, as like knowing each other, if that makes sense? Is there a narrative? Is it money? Is it is gang? Is it personal rivalry? Um, what is the in Philadelphia? What what these is there? Do the do they have an overall narrative of what what is going on? It's it's, it's multifaceted, and that's why sometimes when I'm hearing people uh, um, uh, minimize these situations and say just social media. Yeah, I've heard I, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, my son was it was a contract hit on my son. You see, what I'm saying. That, that was no social media beef. That was somebody to get paid to kill somebody, okay? I, I bet you a dollar, if they did some investigation, that that, that shooting in, 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 in Alameda Plaza, that was no social beef. Here you got three guys jumping out of a, a, out of a car, shooting up a car with a, with a, with a brother and a lady in there. There's hit squads in the city of Philadelphia. There's hit squads. And also, 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 also you, 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 you got long-term beefs going on between community has never been addressed, man. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing that I say, Brother Richard and Brother Elliot, is the freedom that these individuals have to execute each other that is more of a problem than not. If these brothers know that they could, if, if you don't solve murders, it perpetuates murdering. And, 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 and some of them might be social beef, some of them might be be be, be uh, media be, but it's 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 a it's a it's a mixture of multiple ones, and it's not just one specific kind of of, of situation that we're dealing with. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, 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 and of course, and I don't and I don't mean to push you know no, no, to your boundaries, but because I think it's important for us to get a better picture of what we're looking at when you when you say hit squad, and then you mentioned earlier around the mafia that we knew those hit squads were, you know, uh, I was, I grew up in downtown around the Italian when Bruno was, was the, um, which comes. So I'm aware of the evolution of that and the interconnected of that community. So, you know, that code that they had in relationship to, so I'm trying to get a handle in this generation. I'm also aware of when the um, junior, uh, junior black mafia was uh, operating within the city, city, um, and 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 the extortion. So, for but for this generation, I'm not hearing other than as you say, they're pushing like a social media and like in, in what is the overriding of these tentacles? Is it that you got people paid, working in like almost like professional manner, or are they going well, I- after other people? 
I'm gonna give you a couple of a couple of scenarios. Okay. And, and I don't want to talk too much about my son case because it's still being it's, it's still in the system. But some of these young brothers is not drug dealers. They make money by killing people. And just think about it. If you're a young 18, 19, 20 year old, you get a you make your money not by selling drugs by by. I'm just using this this one instance, not all of it. I don't want to blanket everything right, right. that because that wouldn't be correct. But if, if that's your line of business, you are you you get you get five thousand dollars. You spend that in a week or two. You got to find somebody else to do, cause that's that's how you make your money. You ain't making your money selling drugs. You see, so so but it is drug. Would we say that it is drug connected in the sense uh, that the person of, uh, pay, pay, paying that money for that? So oh, do we okay. have a large drug network well, uh, economy in Philadelphia that is be able to pay um, individual hitmen that is related to the drug economy? Yes, that, that it's all entwined. And I was listening to you guys earlier when you're talking about the music, you're talking about the drugs, you're talking about um, 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 all of this stuff is entwined together. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Think about it. And, and I heard you with the wet, the K2, the, the synthetic reefer that they smoking, the the, 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 the the liquid crack that they taking. And you take all of this stuff and you put it into a, a immature mind with that gangster rap permeate inside of their head and their spirit and then something kicks off they don't have any type of logical rational mind to think other than what they've been programmed through that gangster rap and i think that's another thing we have to address those that, that industry because old folks used to say one rotten apple was spoiled a bunch if we don't find ways to deal with these many rotten apples that is that is destroying the spirit and minds of our children we won't get a holistic answer to this problem. We like, like I give you an example. We do what we do. We clean up. We 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 mediate. We we find employment. All that other stuff. But we still leaving those other things in our community that has to be addressed, and it has to be addressed by the whole community. And we have to we have to unite to save our babies' minds and spirit, man. Because people are are eating their minds and spirit with polluted energy. And that energy is manifesting itself in, in murder and mayhem and self-genocide. You know what I mean? I, 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 I listened to, I, I, was, I, I might have said this to you before. I was over my, my, my grandson's business, and I didn't know this was Meek Mills. And I was cringing what was coming out of there. And I said, who that? They said, that's Meek Mills. Now, at the end of the day, you can't have it both ways. You can't be the polluter of our children's minds and then the heroes too. I know it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we we have to have we haven't had enough masculinity to speak to fifty cent Meek Mills, JC, uh even even Tupac and all of those who we have lifted up. Let's go explore how they polluted the minds and spirit of our babies and let's talk to that with some masculinity and stop playing with them because we because of what reason? You got money. You 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 got fame, but you killing our baby's spirit, man. You poison our baby's mind, and we sit in the back allowing you that because we ain't we 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 don't have enough uh, 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 balls to be able to say you are the one that is poisoning my baby minds. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much people are, 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 are raving over you. 
Let's look at your track record and let's, you, let's judge you by your track record and your track record is what came out of you as, 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 as an artist and what did you put into the spirit of our babies to make them call each other ends and call our women bees. I, I, I'm going to say this, Brother Richard. I'm going to show you how discombobulated and, 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 and Brother Ellie. I'm going to show you how discombobulated is. We go into a poppy store. We call them poppy, correct? Mm-hmm. We go into a Chinese store we, and a Korean store. We call them mama sign. You know what we're doing? We're giving reverence to other people by just using that title with them. Mm-hmm. Just come out that same store and call our, our, our sisters a bee. Call our brothers a in. And, 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 and use derogatory terms, not knowing how we, we planted seeds in our minds to degrade each other, but we uplift other people, unbeknownst to us. Wow. You know, you know uh, Ellie, you know, we, we had Sister Tarani Cherie on when she did, and she had the book out, Fostering False Identity. We interviewed her. And I, I wanted to share this statistic with you, Brother um, um, Crawford, because what you raised earlier about how complicit the whole political and police and judicial system um, is involved in not being able to get a handle on this. And, and I think that this, just, just for, for context, because it relates to these young people, right? And she was dealing with foster care, the foster care system. She says in 2013, while African-American children made up only 5.4% of California population, they made up 19.6% of foster care population. What struck me was Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, while while Africans composed of only 13% of the population, they they comprise 41%, 41 41.6% of the foster care population, 41%. And we know the two largest population is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. right? So if the larger amount of those young people are in foster care, that would make them more susceptible to the music, to the trade, to those quote unquote activities. Uh, Does that make sense? Certainly. Yeah, it's, um, I, I like to just put this in a proper context too. And I, I heard somebody. I think I heard um, 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 somebody speak about that. The name would come to me, Shamari. We have to realize, um, um, brother Elliot, brother Richard, our original purpose for being kidnapped and brought from Africa was our physical labor. We no longer are needed for our physical labor. labor. And if I do an analytical, analyze and analytical, analytical perspective, we are being recommodified. And our recommodification is these things that is negative towards our growth and development: the prison industrial complex, the the the, the, the medical industry. You understand what I'm saying? And and the sports and entertainment. So those things that is we need to be able to do to uplift us as a people are not being promoted internally or externally for us. And if we could, if we don't take control of this and recognize this, we become a part of our own demise. And I, this is like, I gave you statistics, 400, 1400 people shot in one week, 450 people murdered and 90% of them was black and brown. Mm-hmm. If you don't start to see the, the, the sub-genocide that we are experiencing 
and the and and those who we are we put in place to help us and protect us is leaving us out there for those those who are been programmed to do their destiny deeds for them. Man. <laughs> That's why I say this. When I made that statement about the state of emergency and bringing in the National Guard, because it's proven that those in the city government, state government, has no interest in protecting and even doing anything to prevent this further genocide from taking place. And if if if, if we don't come, if we, if we don't advocate for some help, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We just gonna let our people just get murdered and and, and and slaughtered by each other? We need some help, man. I I don't care where the help come from. Please send us some help. <laughs> I, I I I understand. I understand your sentiment. Uh, let me uh, grab this call here. We got the and callers can get involved in this conversation. We got the brother Stanley Crawford one with us, black uh, activist here in the city of Philadelphia from the Black Male Community Council here strong activist here in this city that's been trying to deal with this violence for a number of years. Uh, let's go to 215. 215. 215. Can you hear me? Uh, uh, Brother Stan, the, um, you know, I, I'm looking at the men and women, uh, I guess some of the women that uh, kind of was on the peripheral helping the guys, but uh, the male, the men was out there in these communities yeah. doing what they could do. Um, now, a little while, maybe about a month ago, the city had funds coming in because we live in a capitalist society and everything is money driven and political. So the city had money coming in from uh, this, uh, this Biden budget or whatever. And money was supposed to be allocated for these communities uh, to help what's going on. Now, let's go back to 215. 215, are you there? Yes, I am, Brother Elliot. Okay. That. All right. Hey, hey, Brother Rich. Hey, Brother Stan. Assalamu alaikum. Well, they got signed, Brother Joe. How you feel? How you feel? Good, 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 good conversation tonight. And, uh, you know, like I said, Brother Stan, I never was one to be, you know, dealing with law enforcement, but like you said, it's got to the point now where, you know, we do need help, man. We are a city in crisis, man. I mean, any time a 15-year-old girl can't play basketball without being shot, you know, the little baby over in Chester got shot, uh, I think, the other night. I mean, just one incident after another, man, and, and stuff. And I feel, Brother Stanley, for your granddaughter, because, again, that's another person that she cared about took out of here so violently, man. It's just crazy, man. And and, and then, like you and Brother Elliot and Richard saying, you know, it's the, you know, it's if it's if it ain't if it ain't one uh, uh, mind altering drug, it's another. It's always something out there for these brothers to indulge in. It makes them uh, just go out, go off the rails. Whether it be K two, Angel Dust, Wet, you know, then that liquid malt, uh, malt liquor, which is liquid crack. I mean, just always one thing, and just one thing after another. And then, like you say, you live for infertile minds. And then they poison them with this gangster rap music. I mean, it's, it's definitely a recipe for disaster, man. You know, it's just you know, and, and we and we definitely need help. I mean, it's just it just got to the point where where it's just crazy, man. I mean, I be when I, you know, I don't know. It's just it's just you know, like you know, as you know, brother Stan, you know, right on my block back in the 
uh, late August. I mean, excuse me, back in uh, back in uh, May, back in around in the, near the end of Memorial Day, the young brother um, uh, was shot right and ex- executed and stuff right on my block. You know, 10 o'clock at nighttime, right across the street from my house. He walking up the street and the guy came up behind him with a hoodie on and and shot him in the back and in the head. You know. I mean, just and it, and it's just and like I said, my brother knew the young man that got that was murdered and stuff. I mean, just one thing after another, man. You know, he's just like, well, something has to be done, man. Something has definitely has to be done. And and, our, and these black elected officials definitely fell down on the job. They're not doing nowhere near what they can do to help, you know, resolve the problem and stuff. And and, and like I said. That McJohn McNess, the FOP, the FOP leader, is no doubt in my mind. It's definitely of concern to me that he has basically put the memo out to these police officers: don't do nothing. Let these niggas kill each other. But if, when they when they mess up and kill somebody, that's Caucasian. We get them then. And, and, and I think that's pretty much what we're dealing with at this moment, man. So you know, we definitely have we have work to do, uh, brother Stan. We definitely got work to do, man, to try to get this situation under control. You know. So, yeah. Brother Stan, let me let me ask you uh, while while. Uh, Callers with us on the phone. When you uh, made the call out, and I don't know whether you met with Kenny or made that appeal to some of these elected officials, what was the response from? Now I've seen the published report. That Kenny said, "Well, he's he doesn't have no interest in bringing in the guard." What was some of the elected officials, the black elected officials' response to what you stated? stated? Well, the the two elected officials that I have the utmost respect and care for is Janie Gaudier and Kenyatta Johnson. They are the two that I see constantly advocating for some help for us. The rest of them, I can honestly say, they lost their humanity. Let, let me show you what I mean about humanity, man. When that one-year-old baby got shot in the store in the leg, in their mother, in her mother, in their her mother's arm. If that doesn't move a unified effort to get something done, then you don't have no humanity. When you allow a one-year-old baby and you don't have any collective outrage over that, that alone, that right. So uh, uh, the fifteen-year-old girl who just got shot in the head, that the life support was taken away from her. But so. When, only ones I can honestly see that I can honestly say give some kudos to that's trying is Janie Gaudier and and um and and, and Kenyatta Johnson. I, I keep saying this here, and I say this. We, I, you know, I, I I listened to uh, Brother Solomon Jones the other day, and he painted a picture that is very distorted. If the National Guards come in with tanks and all, come on, ain't nobody talking about no tanks and stuff. We're talking about at least getting getting enough forces that these young brothers is not so stupid that they can't see that some proactive stuff is being taken and come with some strategy. I'll give you an example. I was in the military. I know when that shooting took place yesterday on uh, on the 5100 block of Germantown Avenue, with the right strategy, them brothers would not have been able to get out of that that, that perimeter and they would have been caught. You got to start catching these brothers, but you got to come up with a strategy that works. Nobody's talking about the National Guards coming in here, man, and running nilly, willy, nilly, running in people's houses and throwing a lot of weird stuff. We're talking about this, man. Let's stop the bloody. Let's stop the bloodletty. And if we ha- if we have to shut down for a curse for a month or two, that's worth it because once you take a life, man, and I, I'm serious, man, 
a life is worth the inconvenience. I agree with that. You know, disagree from me on that, brother Stan. It's, it's, it's definitely yeah, worth man. it, man. Yeah, just think about this, man. Just think about that. That 15 year old family, friends, and relatives is going to be suffering for suffering because we did not do anything as a as a citizen to prevent her from getting shot in the head, man. Exactly. If if if, if 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 a life is worth what we say is worth, and we all confess to believe in the Creator and God is the giver of life, why are we are making a freeway for those to take the life, and then we gonna make it make it convenient for them by not trying to do something to give them a message that you can't do this, man. Exactly. You can't, you can't just get up and come out. And, and spray a, 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 a whole area, shoot five people, and and kill one person. And it's comfortable that you don't have to worry about it because the citizens of Philadelphia and the government of Philadelphia don't care enough about you to put something in place to stop it. Exactly. Let me, let me ask this. Let me ask this, though. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, because somewhere around the fall of, uh, or the winter, i say the winter, um, there was talk that the as this money was supposed to come down, that in Philadelphia there was going to be the FBI, um, the uh, and I'm asking it as a question. These intelligence gathering um, agencies, it, is that is is am I correct that I you know that I seen that it was the FBI and the who um, said this the, the um, narco I don't know if it was the narcotics but another intelligence gathering agency was supposed to come in and dealing with the violence in in the city. Um, did you hear anything related to that? Yes, I, I heard that talk, but I, heard, I haven't seen the wall. I've right, seen the right. talk, but I haven't seen the wall. And, and the only reason, and reason I want to bring this up because, and, you know, in the sense of, I heard um, 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 the council person that you acknowledged Kenyatta, I have to be said, I, I, I respect you. So I'm a little waffy with Kenyatta, but um, mm-hmm. Guntier with this um, state of emergency, because mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting that she pushed that and Kenny um, denied that it was, he said, we are, they already have um, departments that are working. They don't have to declare a state of emergency. I believe that's what I, uh, if I got that right. So I'm not clear of why the city is not pushing, or Kenny is not pushing for the state of emergency. If if the if if Guntier has been pushing this for it's going to what six months to a year now. Yeah, yeah, about about that. Now, if we have a democracy, how do we have a dictator dictating to the larger community? This one person, the mayor, has uh, he if, if if the if the city is in a state of crisis, the black community. Let's let's mm-hmm. cut it out. Right. Uh, 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 Northern Liberties and down Kensington, all these, all uh, uh, up Chestnut Hill, they're not in a state of emergency. The black community is in a state of community, and you got a white mayor saying, I don't give a shit about that state, about y'all state. long as you don't come down our area and do this, we're going to allow you people to kill each other. And Kenny should be, and, and, and this is why we got to get politically uh, astute. In this charter, we had to put something in the charter for a recall because he should be recalled because he's negligent. And when it comes to, yes. Yes. to the black community, 
We should have the ability to recall him if he's not doing his duty to the to to, to the community. And 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 and, and also also they said, listen. Uh, when I look at when I see um, uh, the Kenny and I see the bowing down and 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 I don't see a collective, consistent call out by all the council people. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. I am I am I am disheartened at those who are not. Now, when I talk about Kenyatta Johnson and I talk about Gaudier, whether they're successful or not. They are keeping this in the public eye, and they are participating. The rest of them is not participating. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. You don't see Curtis Jones out there marching. You don't see uh, I'm Dow Clark, the, the the president of city council. These individuals is, is, is for lack of a better term. I, I know I don't I don't cuss that much, but they are full of S H I T. Yes, yes. Well, well said. I tell you. And what I'm because and and what I can't get a handle on, and I, and I'm I'm hoping and Elliot, you know, rein me in if I'm I'm going going off because this this just um is so and I appreciate your your involvement, brother Crawford, Crawford being on the ground because we really don't have an understanding. One, I'm have to play that, that it's a power dynamics going on. These guys are these guys cannot just not be as you say so insensitive. It's got to be some other reasons why that in their community, the same type of, of, of murder is going on and they, are, they don't feel no responsibility to go. But that's one side of the equation. Because, um, and Brother Joe, you know, I always said, because the other side, the people mm-hmm. in the communities that vote for him, but they consistently get voted in. Right. Mm-hmm. And they know that these, these activities are going on and, and they're still voting them in. So it's something else that we have to, you know, in creating an understanding. And one thing that I walk away with from what you said, and I'll shut up, is that obviously these are executions that may be tied to with, a, with a octopus tentacles to a underground economy. No question. What can I say this, um, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard? What we're doing here tonight is what we hope to be able to continue because it's not that our people won't advocate and, and understand when people are advocating against their best interests. It's just that, that this information is not being talked about on a larger scale so the public will be able to understand when it's time to vote, don't be a cattle where they bring you in the shoot. Exactly. Send you to the, the machine and then send you back out into the pasture and have no concern about what your condition is until the next time it, 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 it's time to go in that machine. And we have to help do it. And this is why I, I'm not, I'm saying to you, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, y'all are, y'all are the, 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 the vanguard for promoting this type of information so we can start to enlighten our people so our people won't be hoodwinked and bamboozled to work against their best interests and when you see people that don't have enough humanity to be concerned about your condition, it's time for us to get rid of them. And we have to find a methodology to do that because these individuals right now, and I, 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 I know we're coming up on, 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 on the end, but just think about this. With all that black leadership that we had over the years, how did we become the poorest, biggest city in America? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. 
that's a question we had to ask, and that's a question we had to give the answer to 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 our people so they can start to understand it. This did not happen by happenstance. You had black mayor, black city council, black police chief, black school superintendent. You had black, uh, black, 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 black. You had a black president, and we wound up the poorest, biggest city in America. Something needs to be asked about that and answered. Well, well, you know, Brother Stan, I'm glad you raised that because as as a, as a regular listener to Time for the Waking, you know, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard always play that clip by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan when he says and stuff. He said, you know, we watch with a political eye. You know, you know, we watch it for spiritual eye. He said, well, our black elected officials are supposed to watch it for political eye. And they don't do it. And they go back to what you just said, Brother Stanley. They don't do it. They sit back here, like I said, for all these black elected officials on the city, state, and federal level, they've allowed our, our people to, 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 to go deep and deep into poverty while they enrich themselves. Like when Brother Elliot made the point a minute ago about this, the pharmaceuticals, are these Negroes like Cloudborn and all the rest of them getting these big checks from these pharmaceutical companies, you know, supporting this, uh, promoting this vaccine, but none of the constituents getting these kind of checks, you know what I mean? They live in large, they eating good every day, but people right around them, South Carolina, our people down in South Carolina in abject poverty by Cloudborn's rotten ass is, is living good. I mean, it's kind of Barack Obama, he just had a host of the birthday party with 300-something people possibly spreading the COVID-19 virus all over the place. He, him and his wife just brought a big mansion up there in Chicago, an out, outskirts of Chicago somewhere. I mean, out, and brought another mansion, I think, up there in, in, in Massachusetts near the Kennedy compound. I mean, these people are living large, man, while people catching hell, and we run around here applauding these people, and they go back to Brother Stanley, what you said is that we got to be politically astute and stop letting be bamboozled by these Negroes that get on these radio shows to promote these people. We got to start seeing these elected officials be there on the city, state, or federal level for what they are. If they ain't doing a damn thing to move our people forward, they we got to vote. They get they got to get voted out and remove that office and stuff, man. We can't keep on getting this personality thing because we because they got a personality and we like them. If these people are not doing what they can't supposed to be doing for black people. Their asses got to go, man. Because as long as we keep putting these individuals in office on the city, state, and federal level, our people will continue to catch hell. They're going to continue to live large. Their children go to the best of schools. But our children going to school with the best is in it. Uh, uh, poor education, uh, don't even have uh, up-to-date textbooks. I mean, you name it, so on and so forth. This, 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 kind of, this, this charade is going to continue to go on and on until we get rid of these damn people out of office, man, because they are not doing our people any good. Like I say, I hate to be redundant, but let's, let's call a spade a spade. These people are living large, man. These black elected officials on the city, state, level, state, city, state and federal level, they are living large. Like Minister Farrakhan say, but they got a little wealth while people are going to stay down, down, and down. It's no getting around that. That's, 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 that's just a, a brutal, realistic picture. These people live in large, while people are, are living poor as hell, poorer than a damn church mouse, for lack of a better word, man. And, and this, this dynamic has got to change. So what's that, you know? Thanks for your contribution, brother. Thanks, brother. Put me on mute. I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thanks, brother Stan. You take care, my brother. Thank, take care, that's brother right. Richard. All right, no. Well, Stan, we get ready to wind things down, man. But uh, listen, the, the door is well, the, the door is open. I'm still waiting on you, brother Stan. As soon as yeah, you, the, the, the carpet going to be rolled out, soon as uh, <laughs> soon as you're ready. No, nah, brother Ellen, brother Richard, I'm, I'm telling you, man, and I, I'm not, I'm not one. To, I speak my mind, so I, I, I don't speak other than what the spirit gives me to say. 
and uh, and I had to be redundant, man. I really appreciate you guys, man, and you are the forerunners, and uh, we're going to be um, trying to help you guys help each other to get the information to our people. We need it, man. Yes, yes, that's definitely. we become more critical thinking about this system and preparing for those future generations because it's something we, I mean, we have to look at these young, if those numbers were right, 43%, is in foster care. There's another generation in foster care now mm-hmm. that's coming out. You know, this is why I do what I do. I got 14 grandbabies and six great grandbabies, and my spirit would not be. I, I wouldn't even deserve to get into heaven or paradise if we don't do something like what you guys are doing, what we're doing, to be able to make sure that our babies at least have a shot of of a, of a decent life. And right now, we're being negligent as a collective and uh none of us if we don't do something deserve to move past hell if we don't do something to keep our children out of hell while they're having this earthly journey let's let's uh before we leave let's let's try another 267 267 two, how y'all brothers doing great great it's, uh, brother marcus how are you sir i'm on the want to support y'all and definitely we all feeling it, you know, sad what's happening in our communities and our people, not uh, our elected officials, not doing anything about it. But also add to conversation, you know, our city uh, council persons, they voted for the budget. They gave their police their money. And all these things are connected. It's like they got the police got the money and they could just sit back and they don't have to do anything. They're not patrolling our uh, our neighborhoods. They don't give a darn. They're allowing us people to the same shooters to go around killing people, and they don't solve the cases. Uh, research I've been doing and, and seeing is that only 40% of the homicides are being solved. So you got a 60% chance of getting away with it, and it's just the cycle, just repeating and repeating and repeating. Right. That's correct. Oh, bro. About the National Guard oh, coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I still on the fence about it, you know. I don't know what the right solution is necessarily, but uh, definitely listening in and um, definitely want to consider whatever options by any means necessary. So. The, uh, brother, in your neighborhood, now, who, who is the representative in your area? Um, what's the name? Uh, white dude. I'm up, in the, I'm up in the Northeast. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess he wouldn't be saying too much about it as far nah, as he's he, 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 nah, he, he, yeah, nah. Okay. <laughs> he don't care. It, if it's killings or even uh, uh, zoning issues, you know, they're not even, there's they, no he's no help. Uh, with anything, so we we putting pressure on in, in various ways to get anything done, economic and and, and as far as uh, justice goes as well. So they don't care. He don't care. Hey, brother, thank you for your work, man, and uh, talk to you next time. Absolutely. All right. Listen to this. Love you. All right. Take care now. Peace. Brother Sam, before you go, um, mm-hmm. you you mentioned 
uh, when you first started the conversation about these stores in our communities. Because in my belief, I think the black leadership is supposed to help establish some type of martial law in our communities. And when I say martial law, I'm talking about almost in every facet. One of the targets should be these stores, these poppy stores, so-called poppy stores, Latino stores, and these Asian stores. Number one, with the drug paraphernalia being sold out of these stores, this that got to stop. Or the stores, mm-hmm. or you're out of business. They got the power to do that. They control zoning. They can control who's in these neighborhoods and who open up stores. If you don't believe it, then go in some of these other neighborhoods. You don't see the proliferation of all these Asian stores and Latino stores in other neighborhoods. But you see a proliferation of it in our neighborhoods. And one of the council persons, I think it was Karen, uh, Sheila ba- Shirley Bass. What, uh, Bass, I forgot her first name. Sydney Bass. Sydney Bass. She went around and cited before that all this plexiglass that you see up in these stores is not supposed to be. If you re- you remember that, Richard? Or do you yeah. recall that? Yeah. Saying it is against the law to have all that plexiglass all around. But you don't see nothing being done about it. She was supposed to be making some type of stink about it before. That has totally died. I'm a retired L&I. I've been with L&I for 28 and a half years. Listen to me. Go ahead. My wife, when these when these Koreans start buying up the bars and converting them to stop and goes, mm-hmm. we would go around. And I, I knew they was out of code. I knew they was out of code because I had, I, I, that's what I did. I enforced the code. I was a commercial industrial fire inspector, man. So when me and my wife was on a campaign to stop them back in, this was in the, in, in, in maybe the mid nineties, man. And, and they had these interviews. It was all a sham, man. And when, what happens is now just think about this. Uh, 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 John Henry Clark was right. We have no friends. So don't tell me about no multicultural shit because at the end of the day, how did they sell us out the way they sold us out that the Dominicans wanted with the poppy stores from the Koreans and the Koreans got it from the, from the Jews? You think that was an accident? You think it's an accident that the, the Koreans wind up selling, have, having the hair care industry the, uh, and, 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 the, and the Arabs got the, the, and the Indians got the, 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 the gas stations? They divided up the economic base of our, of community our communities, and they, with the help of, of, of the elected of officials. The elected officials. Yes. Now, how it is that we have no businesses? They have divided these businesses up amongst themselves. The, the, the Dunkin' Donuts now is, is is with the Indians and the Koreans. The Koreans got the hair industry. They divided up the whole thing amongst themselves. And they walk away out of our community at the end of the day with bags and suitcases full of money. money. And then look at us with disdain, man. I, 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 they don't even, at least the Jews used to hire us. These individuals are so negligent, they don't even hire you. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. And nobody is speaking about how did this occur because it wasn't done accidental. No, absolutely not. It, it had to be an organized structure. And they had to have some type of organized plan to divide up these services that gets them to be able to suck all that money to the Chinese store. I bet you a dollar to a donor. I, I, had, I had a restaurant. 
I bet you if I open up the most classiest um, soul food restaurant in the middle of Chinatown, not one of them you, Chinese would come and buy anything, no matter how good the food is. I know it. I know it. <laughs> and, 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 and so, Brother Richard, when you talk about that, that's a whole different, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. uh, um, show to talk about the exploitation with the participation of those political powers to be that sold our us out, and they don't even advocate for us to have the wherewithal, the financial wherewithal, to compete with them. You, you ain't you ain't got to tell me. <laughs> I have I have a story. <laughs> I, I have a deep I have a deep disdain for the exploitation that is being done to us by these other ethnic groups that only over here because they're riding off our our back. But then they come over here with the participation of of of, of a disdain for us. And John Henry Clark say we have no friends. So don't tell me about multiculturalism, and don't tell me about the. I'm not even too too fond of the black and brown stuff. But don't tell me about these 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 Muslims, these these Arabs, these Indians, these Dominicans, these Chinese, and these Koreans. We need to find ways of driving them out of our community. Yes. Yes, <laughs> brother. That's a whole different story, brother. <laughs> and, and, and brother Elliot, brother Stan, I look to have you on again soon. In fact, I'll be yes. looking to schedule schedule you soon as far as the program. Yeah, please, man. I'm. I, I, this is what we need, man. You, you're I just about ready, or what? Yeah, I'm about ready. <laughs> okay, yeah. we'll, we'll talk yeah. soon, brother. Okay. Peace. Thank you. All right. All right take care now. Uh, boy, let's before we jump off, let's grab a call. 60, 602, you there? Yes, I wanted to catch him before he left. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I want to catch him before he left. I'm gonna play a devil's advocate now because who going in the store and buying this stuff on the off of the shelf? Yeah, who you're going right. in the store and buying this stuff off the shelf? Yes. So we we contribute to the foolishness too. Yes. You see, we, we you know so we have to you know we have to you know we have to place the blame you know where it you know because if we didn't go in there and buy that stuff, you know they they would they wouldn't be able to to to, to do that man, you know. And we know that they ain't gonna bring no the national guard in in, in the community unless we have an uprising. You know what I'm saying? Unless we have a, a riot in the community, then they'll come. So what are we going to do to develop an internal corrective force to deal with these knuckleheads in our community? Because we know who these knuckleheads are. You see? So we got to be serious, too. You know, we, have, we, we got to be responsible, too. You know, we we're gonna have to deal with these people. We're gonna have to do some house cleaning. You yeah. know, we're gonna have to do that, brother. Painful as it as it is. You know, and we see what's taking place now. We see we see the the, the, the everything coming down, man. You know, it's with the COVID, with with all what's going on. You know, we're going into more chaos. We we heading into more chaos. Yes. Yeah, you know, so you know it's it's sad, but you know 
we're going to have to do some house cleaning because it, it's the same thing happening here in Memphis. It's the same thing happening in Jamaica. It's the same thing happening in, in, in the Western, we're in the Western world. You know, it, it's that we are imploding. We are imploding as a people, you know. So we go, we have some serious work to do, you know. We go, we, you know, what is, it's sad to hear what's going on. You know, it's really, it's really sad, you know. But it's all around, brother. It, it, you know, I'm scared to walk on the street when it get dark down here. I'm telling you, don't walk in the street when it get dark <laughs> down here. Cause you don't know what the hell you're gonna run into. Yeah, you saying down here? You, okay, I understand. I understand. It? Yeah, it's you know, but look, you know, Carlos Cook, he had a, he said he had a, a thirty to sixty day movement. He said a Bible movement. Boycott these people. If you have to go to the white community, go do your shopping. Go do it in the white neighborhood for the 60 days. You get better products at cheaper prices anyway. What that will do? In 30 to 60 days, they can't pay their rent. They can't make their payroll. They're going to have to pack up and leave. But we keep these people in our community. You know, the other day, we, we, you know, we went into one of these stores trying to get some support for something. They didn't get the hell no. no they support. Yeah. And they, they, they benefit from the community. They wouldn't put up dime to support the community. So what the hell are you doing here? What you doing in the community then, you know? But as I said, we got to look at what the part that we play into this. And a lot of these politicians, they are the collab- collaborator. Them. They are the collaborator. <laughs> See, so we are, they don't circle us off, brother. They don't circle us off. I'm telling you. But we're going to win. <laughs> I'm telling you, in spite of how dismal it looks, I don't know if if it's if it's God or Allah, but somebody preserving us. Yeah. See, because we're supposed to be dead. <laughs> when I look at our history, what we went, we ain't supposed to be here talking on the phone. Hmm. So, you know, just something to think about. Anyway, I love your program. Keep on keeping on, good brothers. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution, brother. All right. Bridget. Bridget. Yes. Um, before we go, you know, Brother Marcus said something when he said that our people are going in there. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. I'm in my place of business today, in fact. And, you know, all around the community, you see people that got some challenges. Uh, most of it dealing with some type of drugs, alcohol that's always moving around the community. So this brother comes in and the, you know, in, you know, in the city, you got to, if you don't maintain, at least you're outside, you'll get all the grass growing up between the cracks of your cement. Right, you know what right. I'm talking about? Right. Right. Now yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a Asian st- uh, restaurant three doors down from me. And it looked like he's, he got a lawn outside. I mean, I, I don't know how, tri- this, these people are trifling. 
you know, my payment don't look like that. It's just a regular cement payment because, you know, you maintain it. You go out there and sweep and you maintain it. He don't mm-hmm. care. He just wants the people to come in there. It looked like he got a lawn outside. So the brother comes into my place. He said, uh, uh, hey, listen, you want me to, to get the grass coming up from between cracks of cement? And I look, because I'm, I'm standing by the window. I'm saying, what grass growing up between the cracks? I said, why don't you go down there? I said, look, like the man got a forest growing. He said, I was down there, and he didn't want me to do it. So then I said, no, I, I, there's nothing wrong with my payment, man. So then before he leaves, he said, you got anything for me to do to make some money? I said, well, can you cut hair? He said, uh, no. I said, well, I don't. To be honest, brother, I ain't got nothing for you to do. Now, that same brother is a Latino store right across the street from my place of business. Mm-hmm. And I see him and a bunch of others going in there about 50 times a day. And this guy gets so many deliveries, I didn't know you could sell that much. That guy got to be making a ton of money in that store. And then there's another one, a block now. Mm. He asked me, he said, uh, you got anything for me to do? I said, well, no. Hey, brother, unless you can cut it, I ain't got nothing for you to do. I'm sorry. I said, why don't you go over across the street? I see you going in that store at least 10 times a day. And that guy get deliveries all the time. I said, why don't you go over there and ask him, do you got anything for you to do? You spend money in there. He said, oh, I've asked him. I said, well, what did he tell you? He said, no, he ain't got nothing for me to do. I said, then why are you going there spending your money? And he just looked at me. Mm-hmm. Now, that guy get all types of deliveries. He don't, the, the people with challenges in the community, he could get them to bring that stuff into place or put, load it up in the basement. He don't ask them to do nothing. They don't work in the store. All he wants them to do is come by in the store. So when I asked the brother, I said, well, why you go over there? Why you spend your money in that place? Yeah, All he could do was just look at me. <laughs> so I understand what Brother Marcus is saying. It's that level of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need other people to help push you to do the right thing. And that's where the onus. Sure, it's the onus on the community for going in there patronizing these people. But it's the onus also, just like Brother Stan said, these people have helped facilitate these people coming in your communities. Look, when I was coming up, Richard and you too, in fact, my parents had a mom and pop, what they considered a mom and pop store. Growing up, they didn't have plexiglass all around. Wasn't nobody coming in there robbing them. In fact, it was mom and pop stores all throughout the black community. Mm-hmm. You didn't see all that junk going on. They respected the people. Miss so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, they got the store. They respected them. This stuff here yeah. is, is totally off the hook. Yes, yeah, so I'm just just throwing things out there. We'll look forward to uh, getting together Sunday with the, with the uh, listening audience before we leave tonight. Uh, just make sure you tune into uh, Saturday night from seven to nine. The elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins will be on Saturday evening on time for an awakening media. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, Children playing after school.
Save the children. 